Hello, church. Let's all stand wherever you are and let's start our worship service with the first song Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord.
Good morning, North Shore Alliance Church Online. My name is Paul, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I am trusting that God would fill us anew, afresh this morning by his spirit, and that you would be overflowing with his joy. We've been sharing God's stories of how God has been work at work in the everyday. And Berta Lopera wrote in to share this story of how God guided her to prepare her family for the pandemic. I'll share with you what she wrote. She is originally from Colombia and traveled there in November. While she was there, it became clear that her older sister, who is physically disabled and has mobility issues, needed to move to a new apartment because of the loss of her caregiver and the issue of stairs in her new apartment, in her apartment building. Her sister was extremely reluctant to move, but finally agreed. Incredibly, Berta found an apartment just a one-minute walk from her other two sisters. After it was rented, the older sister refused to move. During the following month, there was lots of tension, arguments, and recriminations that her life was being ruined by this forced move. She finally moved in January, still mourning her old home. No one anticipated in January that the coronavirus was going to spread to Colombia. Berta returned to Canada on March 5th, and on March 6th, the first case of coronavirus was discovered in Colombia. The country has been in mandatory lockdown since March 24th. Older adults like her sister are in mandatory lockdown until May 30th. Berta wrote, I see the hand of God in all of this. Now my sister has continued assistance from extended family who have been very supportive. Their relationship that has not always been the best has improved. My sister is now thankful that she was moved from the apartment to this place where she can be properly isolated but still close to the people who love and care for her. She even thanked me on the telephone for moving her. I cannot stop thanking God for his grace and for the miracle he did in the life of my sister and my family. We did not know about the pandemic, but God knew. And he allowed, guided, and strengthened us to unknowingly prepare for it. Thanks God for being so good and never leaving us alone. The grace of God is everywhere. We just have to open our hearts and our eyes to appreciate it. Thanks, Berta, for sharing your story with us. What a powerful reminder that God guides us, strengthens us, and is always with us. We know that there are many more stories of God at work in our community, and we would love to hear the ways that he's been working in your life, both big and in the small everyday ways. So if you have a story you would like to share, please email Pastor Ann at A-N-N-E-T at nsac.bc.ca. Um, let's continue to worship our God. Hello again, church. And I want to first say, may God bless you wherever you are in this morning, in your houses, in your bedrooms, just wherever. It takes some time to get used to doing church at home. Trust me, it's a bit weird for us to look at cameras the whole time. You miss the people, you miss the community, you miss the church. But even though that you're not here right now, I just want to remind you that you are the church. God calls us to be the church. And 
Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. And I want to encourage you this morning. You're probably watching right now off a TV screen, off your iPads, off even your phones. You're probably in your kitchens or in your living rooms. I just want you guys to take this 90 minutes and think of it not as a show just on TV, but think of it as a time where we come together. North Shore Alliance comes together and worships the one true God, the one that saved us, the one that empowers us, and the one that is good to us, no matter what the circumstances are outside. The psalm says, enter his gates with, and give thanks to him. Praise his name. And this morning, open your hearts to him. Make his name renowned where you are. Let his spirit work among us in this morning. Amen. Open the eyes of
no one like you, Jesus. There is no one like you, Jesus.
Let's pray together. God, we praise you for you are the good Father, and you are perfect in all of your ways. You are the God who is holy, awesome, and immense, and at the same time, the God who is near, gracious, and loving. We long to see your kingdom come and your will be done in our broken world. And we ask you to start by doing a new work in us. Help us to be available to you and surrender our hopes, dreams, and plans to your will. Help us to seek you and your kingdom first, knowing that all of our other loves will find their right place after that. We also want to confess all the ways we have knowingly and unknowingly strayed from you. Help us not to remain in darkness, but come to you, the light, with all our sin, knowing that we are never too far to receive your grace and that you look at us in all of our mess and our brokenness and you choose to love us. And we ask that by your grace, you cause us to walk in step with your Holy Spirit and that you would refine and fashion us into the likeness of Jesus. We pray for the needs of our community today, trusting that you are the great provider. We pray for the provision of jobs, of physical healing, of, the, of breaking addictions, of reconciliation of relationships. And we continue to pray that you would stop the spread of COVID-19 and that you would be present to all those who are sick, to those who are isolated, to those who have endured great loss, and to all of us who are discouraged in these times. And we bring all of our requests, worries, and fears, knowing that you are the God who hears and responds to your people. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning and welcome again. We're so glad that you've tuned in. I just wanted to highlight a few upcoming events in our church. And the first one is Connect at Night. We invite the women of North Shore Alliance Church to connect at night on Monday, June 1st from 7.30 to 9 p.m. online for connection, a reflection, and an opportunity to discuss. Kristen, uh, Kristen, Kirsten, sorry, Kirsten Rumary is our speaker for this month. Bring your own refreshments, sign up under events uh, on the website to receive the Zoom meeting link. The second, I have a question to pose to you. Are you tired of watching the Sunday service alone? Does your family want to join with others in worship? If so, you can sign up to be a part of a group that will virtually attend church together through Zoom. The service will be hosted live by one of our pastors. Together, the group will pray, worship, listen to the sermon, and engage in a short discussion. The service is our, at our usual time from 8.55 a.m. to 10.15 a.m. You can sign up online on the events tab on our website, and you will be sent a link before Sunday. Pastor Mark now has a special announcement of some upcoming changes to our church. Uh, we'll play the video, and following the video, Pastor Dave will come bring us the message. Hi, everyone. It's Pastor Mark. Dr. Bonnie Henry and the BC Health Authority have been hard at work 
uh, providing community organizations with all the necessary protocols in order for them to consider reopening. You may have heard that we're now allowed to gather in, in groups of 50 people or less as long as we're able to provide appropriate social distance. And in a sanctuary of our size, we can easily gather 50 people while allowing for 10 feet in between each person. Some of you have been asking, does North Shore Alliance Church have a plan for reopening? And the short answer is that we do. In fact, right now we are targeting the middle of June to begin providing live Sunday morning services at both 9 and 11 a.m., as well as continuing to provide a, a weekly video feed. As we make decisions about reopening, we really want to hear from all of you. And so if we were to begin providing a live Sunday service option, we want to know, would you consider attending? And if you are a parent with children, would you bring your children with you? Next week, we plan to send out an email that will contain a link to a survey and will also include all of our safety precautions as we consider reopening. Can I ask you to do something for me? What I'd really like you to do is when you receive the email, click on the link and take the three or four minutes required in order to fill out the survey. Your answers are really gonna help us to make decisions about how to proceed. If you have any questions or comments, don't hesitate to contact the church. Peace be with you. Hello everyone, I'm Dave Sattler, one of the pastors here at North Shore Alliance Church. Thank you for joining us today. And we're in our series, Describing God. These past few weeks, Pastor Mark has led us in building a foundation for the study of God, theology. We know the study of theology has many detractors in our world today, particularly in the realm of science. I generally try and keep this quiet, but my only actual school degree is a degree in theology. And I have to say, that really keeps the discussion going at cocktail parties. When pressed and I divulge my secret, I'm a pastor and I have a theology degree, either it elicits lots of nervous chatter or more likely it signals right there, end of conversation. Defending the study of theology, Pastor Mark said a few weeks back, what we think about God matters most. Theology really matters. Yet, well, knowing about God is helpful. Truly knowing God and the God of the universe in genuine personal relationship, that's what sustains us. That's the game changer. Our theology grows as we do. It's fashioned and forged by our experience of God over time, in and through everyday lives living together with him. So far in the series, we've looked at God's most basic description. God is one. Deuteronomy says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And God is three. Trinity. The Father who chooses and adopts us. The Son who redeems us. And the Spirit who marks and seals us as belonging to God. Mark said last week, all that God is in himself, he is for us. And so today we come to the goodness of God. Important to begin with the definition of good, which in our time has come to mean many things, 
pleasant or nice or even comfortable. I'm all good. But this is not a correct or full understanding of goodness. To carry on with the Narnia theme that Pastor Mark started last week, in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when the Pevensey children are confronted by the God figure Aslan, the lion, Mr. Beaver has to walk them through it. I love Mr. Beaver, and he comments by saying this, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Why, who said anyone anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Next up in importance to God's identity and God's sovereignty over the cosmos comes the biblical claim that God is good. Every one of God's other attributes, his love, his holiness, his mercy, his grace, his faithfulness, and the list goes on and on, all of these other attributes of God flow from this one vital aspect of God's character, God's goodness, his desire to bless all his creation. In other words, if God's goodness is God's primary character quality, then all of God's other traits flow from or cascade down from there. Still, this idea that the Christian God is good is a hotly contested one, especially in our day. Biologist Richard Dawkins, in his book, The God Delusion, reckons observation of the God of the Old Testament reveals arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction, a jealous, petty, malevolent bully. And Dawkins leads a generation of new atheists in our day who want little or nothing to do with the God of the Christian story. And truthfully, I too struggle with the concept of the goodness of God, for it's often difficult to see. A lot of times it doesn't feel like God is good. And the mention of God's goodness seems archaic, naive, even reeks of Christian triumphalism, or in certain situations feels like a mere platitude or worse, a cheesy spiritualization. And we know all things work together for good. Try that out for sound when you've suffered a big loss in the midst of a tragedy or when you find yourself struggling through a global pandemic. In Christian circles, there is at best tremendous misunderstanding, and I would say gross misinterpretation, of this emblematic character quality of God, his goodness. It seems that more astute observation is required. Ian Proven, in his book, Seriously Dangerous Religion, contends the original biblical authors knew God first and foremost as a God of blessing, a God who is good. And we need to read, interpret, and be introduced to the God of the scriptures primarily from the perspective of the first biblical authors, not from our own perspective. And so today, we'll take a little biblical tour of the goodness of God, starting in the book of Genesis. But let's pray first to prepare our hearts for the message today. Dear God, we come before you this morning and we're scattered around the North Shore, maybe even around the world today. And we come before you humbly 
God, and we ask that you would speak to us. God, I pray that you would come now and move me out of the way and come and speak to us by your spirit. And God, this morning, as we're gathered, would you, by your spirit, make the goodness of the God of the universe real to our spirits as we're gathered here today? God, would you come and speak to us now? We are hungry to hear from you. Amen. God's pre-existent identity is established in Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning was God. God's sovereign hovering over the waters of creation is featured in verse 2 of Genesis 1. Then in verses 3 and 4, we first encounter the goodness of God. Verse 3 and 4 of Genesis chapter 1, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that that light was good. And seven times in Genesis chapter one, this formula is repeated, crescendoing in God's creation of humanity, which in Genesis 1.31, God deems very good. Here, God sets the standard for good in the cosmos. Something important to note is that the God of the biblical narrative is utterly unlike all the other deities in the ancient world. And I add, most in the modern world. Meant to be appeased, it's thought those other gods, including the ancient Near Eastern deities, created the universe to meet their needs, to keep people under their thumbs as a way of controlling rather than blessing and loving their creation. Unlike his anxiety-inducing contemporaries, the God of the Christian story is consistent and good. He wants to bless his creation, show them love and faithfulness, rescue them from danger, and forgive them when they falter. God constructs the cosmos with us in mind and offers humanity freedom to choose and enjoy his good creation. Goodness in the Christian story emanates from our good creator. Out of his goodness, God gave humanity the freedom to choose to follow his standards of good and evil, or not. And when God gave humanity free will, he knew it would be possible for evil to enter into the world. The temptation in the garden in Genesis 3 is this. Let me read it for you. You will not certainly die if you eat from the tree God told you not to eat from, the serpent said. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. At the very root of sin is the desire to define good for oneself. It's the enemy's big, juicy, dangling carrot. Will you let God tell you what is good? Or do you want to decide it for yourself? This pokes at our drive for autonomy, seeking to be the determiner of our own good, wanting to set our own standard above or apart from God himself. But no human can be or should be the arbitrator of their own goodness. We simply are not qualified, but we all long to be. And this is the root of the fall and all evil in our world. There are numerous examples throughout the Bible of God working out a surprising and ironic plot line and turning it for good. Like the epic of 
Joseph. I want to remind you that it's been in the Bible long before it ever hit Broadway or the silver screen. Allow me to briefly summarize the story. Joseph is the cocky little brother favored by his father, Jacob. Jealous and hurt, his 11 brothers want him dead. But out of conscience, they decide instead to sell him to slavery in Egypt. Then the brothers fake Joseph's death, hoping that their father will get over him and turn attention back to them. And through a series of harrowing ups and downs and downs and ups, Joseph eventually finds himself in the high position of agricultural minister of Egypt, in charge of the food treasury in a global famine. Starving back home, Joseph's long-lost brothers, in desperation, flee to Egypt, where their estranged and brilliant brother has wisely been stockpiling food for his nation and others. And fighting tears, in an intense grand reunion, Joseph utters these profound words to his fearful brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Like me, you probably can't recall specific details of too many sermons that you've heard or preached over the years. But I always remember this one that I probably heard 40 years ago at summer camp. 50-20 vision based on this verse from Genesis chapter 50. God is good even when humans are not. There's stuff we don't know and God is way bigger than what we can fathom. This can be a hard pill to swallow, I know. But where things are, when things are blurry all around us, even when we can't feel or see or know or have a sense of it all, God is still working things out for good in his good time and in his good way because God is good. Life's challenge to accept and to embrace God's 50-20 vision for me and this world, that has stuck with me all of these years. Well, it's time now to land the plane on a few application points as we finish the sermon today. The first is this. God's goodness must be remembered. To remember is one of the primary reasons the people of God have gathered together regularly as the church throughout the ages. It's why we've gone to great lengths to keep weekly church going during COVID-19, albeit in different ways than we'd like or wish it would be. Lord knew, in the midst of all the challenges of this life, we'd need regular reminders of his goodness from other people. Do you know that one of the primary tactics of the enemy is to cause people to doubt the goodness of God? To breed suspicion in our hearts and minds about whether God has our best interest in mind. Well-meaning Christians sometimes have a hard time singing, God is so good, when it doesn't feel like he is, or when we've lost sight of him. And Satan goes to work, planting fearful and confusing thoughts in our minds, trying to distort our view of God, cause us to forget and doubt God's good character. When I'm having a difficult time seeing God's goodness myself, instead of isolating, which the enemy encourages, I need to have people around me to see God's goodness for me and to remind me of it. Not in a cheesy way, but in a solid, loving reminder. Sattler, 
God is good. And when we feel God's goodness, others around us may not. And we can recall it for them. It's so easy in life to forget. It's why we need good people all around us. Why we have church every week to help us remember. And why we need to and love to sing songs together like the one we'll soon sing at the end of the service today. Lord, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, Lord, you have been so, so good. The goodness of God. Second, God is good and we can trust him fully. I don't know about you, but for me, it's way easier to acknowledge that God is good in the world, big picture, in the macro. But I have a way harder time accepting that God is good to me in the micro details of my life. It just doesn't feel like it all the time. Why do I have such a hard time trusting God? Perhaps you can relate. Likely because you've been burned in life too. And it can be hard to trust that God is good. When we've been deeply hurt, abandoned by others whom we may have thought at one time were good for us or being good to us and then turned against us. Or when God hasn't done what we want him to do for us, healed our loved one or provided for us what we thought we needed and asked him for. When he wrote Psalm 52, David was reflecting on how he'd felt when he'd been burned by God and others. On the run from Saul and seeking food and shelter, David visits Ahimelech, the priest. Saul's spy sees David there, tells Saul, who in turn, hoping to kill David, orders the killing of 85 priests of the Lord. And David feels responsible, and he is mad at God and Saul. Oh, the pain of betrayal. It's very hard to trust others and God when we've been burned. For the first seven verses of Psalm 52, David goes on a rant. Then, I love how the psalm switches in verses eight and nine. David says, but I am like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, Lord, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people, and I will hope in your name for your name is good. Olive trees are some of the oldest trees on the planet. They can grow and flourish and withstand incredibly dry conditions for hundreds, even thousands of years. Slow and steady, durable, not flashy, but able to still bring forth fruit, even in hard circumstances and places. Here's David's point. Unlike humans who always fail us, God never does. He can't, for God is always good. His name is good. In Mark 10, a man runs up to Jesus and falls on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Not exposing his identity or revealing it, Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. Surprisingly and profoundly, and Jesus says this, no one is good except God alone. Goodness is in 
God's DNA. It's perfectly rooted in his character. Therefore, God alone can be trusted fully in our lives and in our world. And when we attach ourselves to God, our lives become like olive trees, rooted in God's goodness and able to flourish. And a healthy view of God's goodness changes how we pray, how we love, and how we persevere amidst life's hardships and setbacks. These days, it sometimes feels difficult to feel good about much of anything. Life's been disrupted. A lot of the activities that we like to do, we've been unable to do. People we enjoy being with, we can't be around. And there's no clear end to this in sight. Still, even when life doesn't seem good or is confusing or we feel isolated, know this, God is good and you are not alone. Most importantly, you are loved and cared for by the good God of the universe who made it all and made you and out of his incredible goodness came to earth in the person of Jesus to fully demonstrate God's love to you and to me and to our world. So while we live through this time of COVID-19, let us put our trust in our good God for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Third and final, God loves to display his goodness. There is an unselfishness, a goodness in the character of God like no other this world has ever seen. And it's what we all really need. Utterly unlike every other God and every other person, God doesn't love or be good in order to get or take from others. We needn't ever doubt God's motives. God is not needy. From before creation, God has desired to bless his creation with his goodness and often in astounding, beautiful, and surprising ways. This is demonstrated perhaps most poignantly at the cross. One commentator or theologian says this, what makes the death of Christ such a good act is that while God was not accountable to anyone and would not, indeed could not be punished for not submitting to the cross, he did in fact lay down his life willingly for the world. That's the prototype of goodness. We all have the capacity to act goodly. And when we do, we are a reflection of the creator because we are created in the image of a good God. The Bible also speaks of an inner quality of goodness that God longs to grow in his humanity. And the apostle Paul teaches of the deep work of Christ in us by the Holy Spirit. Outlined in Genesis chapter five, it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And yes, this requires surrender and cooperation on our part to tune into God, to put ourselves into the flow of his spirit, to produce good fruit in and through our lives. And it's a beautiful thing when God does this. When I think of the goodness of God, I am drawn to the incredible story 
of this young man from our church community. You all know him as Errol. Errol grew up on the North Shore and along with his twin brother, mother and sister, has attended our church for many years. Two summers ago, Errol's brother was tragically killed in a car accident. This fall, after a long bout with substance abuse, Errol's father also died of an apparent drug overdose. Devastating. The church has rallied around this family. For nine weeks now, Errol has been leading the charges in our COVID care grocery shop program, delivering to some of the darkest places in our city. To our city's most vulnerable, precious coffee timers like this guy, Antonio, who lives in one of the hardest places in Vancouver in a rooming house in the downtown east side. Errol's been delivering to Deep Surrey, to Burnaby, all over Vancouver in the North Shore. He's also been delivering food hampers to new immigrants and refugees, many who can't work, struggling to find their way through a global pandemic here in their new country of Canada. You can just imagine what the presence of this big white guy from North Shore Alliance Church does to lift someone's spirit. Errol knows what it's like to live with fear and pain and loss and to hold on to God's goodness. And the Lord has been using him powerfully to shine the light of Jesus into the lives of hurting people during this time. This is the goodness of God. And I wonder, friends of North Shore Alliance Church, what if we offered ourselves anew to God to a deeper work of Christ in us? What if we asked the Holy Spirit to shine the goodness of God powerfully through us to others in these days? And when we do, look out. Beautiful things happen. God's goodness goes on display and the world sees and through us, real people are touched by the deep goodness of their creator. Amen. I'm gonna invite the worship team now to come to lead us in a final song, The Goodness of God.
having you join us today. Thank you for joining us for North Shore Online. Just wanted to encourage you, if you have a prayer need today, or you need someone to talk to and pray with, you can sign up for our virtual prayer room. You can go on our church website, and you can find a link there. 
And please join us. There'll be people who would love to talk with you and pray with you as soon as the service is done. Just also want to let you know that we're going to be running a virtual foyer on Sunday morning at 10, 10 a.m. as well. Great chance to connect with people. And you can also go on our church website and sign up for the link for that too. Just wanted to remind you now, North Shore Alliance Church people, uh, to receive the blessing and to be reminded of the goodness of God. Let's, let's just quiet our hearts to receive the blessing. God of mercy and grace and goodness, would you fall fresh upon us today? God, we thank you that your love and faithfulness and your goodness endures forever. We thank you, God, that your goodness is running after us. Would you help us to believe that, God, more clearly today? And also, God, would you, your goodness envelop our lives today in a powerful way. Amen and amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Bless you.